Thank you for joining us for the next episode of the Byman's Archives. Today, we are joined again by Stephen Gross to discuss another important case. Could you introduce the case of Witham for us? Mr. Witham wanted to bring an action for defamation. Legal aid wasn't and isn't available for defamation at the time, so he was going to bring the case as a litigant in person. And the court fee to issue proceedings would have been a minimum of £120 and a maximum of £500. Now, Mr. Witham was unemployed and receiving income support, which didn't extend to the cost of court fees. So, of course, he couldn't afford the fee. Now, previously, the fees were waived for people on income support. But by the time Mr. Witham sought to issue his libel case, uh, this concession had been withdrawn. This had been done by means of a regulation, a statutory instrument, a piece of secondary legislation. But we claim that this uh, regulation violated Mr. Witham's common law constitutional right of access to the courts. We had to make that claim because at this time, uh, the Human Rights Convention had not become part of UK law. The Human Rights Act didn't come into force until October 2000. Now, the court agreed with us, and what they found was that certain rights, such as the right of access to justice, were afforded special protection by the United Kingdom's unwritten constitution and could only be abrogated either by primary legislation, in express words, i.e. by an Act of Parliament, or where an Act of Parliament specifically empowered a minister to make regulations that breached fundamental uh, constitutional rights. Since no such act existed in this case, uh, the Lord Chancellor said the court did not have power to make the order barring access to the courts by removing the exemption from court fees for people who are on income support. What impact do you think this case had on society? And what do you think made it cutting edge? This was one of the first cases in which the doctrine of fundamental constitutional rights of common law had been used. Interestingly, one of the judges, Mr Justice Laws, Sir John Laws, had given a lecture about fundamental constitutional rights a few weeks before, in which he propounded this concept of these rights under the law. I attended that lecture, and it was partly in inspiration from, from his lecture that, that we framed this case in the, in the way that we did. But it's been really important because this doctrine has developed since then in a number of cases and can be used for fundamental constitutional rights where the uh, Human Rights Act doesn't apply. So, for instance, the recent case about the unlawful prorogation of Parliament relied on the fundamental constitutional principle of parliamentary sovereignty. And this case and the line of cases that followed it were the basis of, of that decision. Looking back at the case, could you explain how it set a precedent and what your thoughts are on that case? This was one of the first cases that propounded the principle of fundamental constitutional rights of common law. And what it established uh, was a line, the beginning of a line of cases, which mean that executive, the executive can't take 
certain actions unless they, in breach of constitutional rights, unless they have express parliamentary approval for that action and that in the form of primary legislation. So what the courts have said in this line is that if the parliament wants to abrogate fundamental constitutional rights, they have to do so fair and square and face up to it so that everybody knows exactly what is being done. Thanks Stephen, join us next time as we delve into another significant case in Byman's history.